Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Friday, November 17th. Something salvaged from the sordid. Today's scripture reading is found in Genesis chapter 38, verses 24 through 26, from the message translation and warning, still not really family friendly. Three months or so later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law has been playing the whore. And now she's a pregnant whore. Judah yelled, get her out here, burn her up. As they brought her out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I'm pregnant by the man who owns these things. Identify them, please. Who's the owner of the seal and cord and the staff? Judah saw they were his. He said, She's in the right. I'm in the wrong. I wouldn't let her marry my son, Sheila. He never slept with her again. This is God's word. Now, still, still not family-friendly. Once again, blame Matthew. He's the one who invited us into this sordid story from the Messianic family line. From the womanish Midrash, a reintroduction to the women of the Torah and the throne by Wilda Gaffney. She writes, In Genesis 38, Judah has sex with a woman he doesn't realize is his daughter-in-law, Tamar, because he thinks the woman is a sex worker. The story is about her right, affirmed in the text, to have a child from his line, apparently through any means necessary, also affirmed in the text. But the framework of the story portrays his use of sex workers as normative. He is widowed and has sexual needs. He knows where to find sex workers and what they look like. He may be out of practice because he doesn't bring appropriate currency with him, or the encounter was unexpected. He is desperate for sexual services and gives her all of his personal identification as surety against his bill. He seeks to pay off his balance and asks his friend to help him find the woman. There is no shame or stigmatization in his conversation or his actions. When Tamar's pregnancy is revealed, someone accuses her of sex work. This is both the equivalent of calling a woman a whore, which note Peterson comes right out and says in his unabashedly straight-talking translation, for having sex outside of culturally accepted boundaries and an ironic pun. She has performed sex work with him. Based on the accusation, Judah decides to have her burned alive. This illustrates the disdain Israel has for sex workers among its own women while permitting the men to seek sex workers of other national and ethnic identities. Ultimately, the truth comes out, and Judah proclaims that Tamar is more just or righteous in the King James Version than he. Yeah, that about covers it. Judah, whose name means praise, as you may recall, literally wants to burn the big scarlet letter A for adulteress into Tamar's flesh. Little does he realize that he's already branded himself on his forehead for all posterity in the sacred text of Genesis 38 with a big, fat F for fool. 
It has to be one of the most ironic lines in the story when Judah tells his friend after failing to find the sex worker he had just used earlier to pay for her services rendered and secure his personal items, let her keep them or we'll look like fools and be a laughingstock. All right, too late, praise boy. You've already been branded, and generations of your offspring have been snickering over this sort of tale ever since, whenever it was told around the family campfire. Because, no, they didn't shy away from these stories. Because this is how you learned about life. It's why the story is here. There's so little that's praiseworthy in Judah's conduct. Get her out here and burn her, says he, with no inkling of the double standards when it came to sex workers, of his own folly and foibles, and no idea that, as with David generations later, thou art the man. I can even see him relieved, to finally be rid of any responsibility for that cursed woman, that black widow that would yet prey on his one remaining offspring. No, nothing praiseworthy here, though no doubt every man present exulted in their sense of offended male righteousness. Nothing praiseworthy, that is, until that last line. She is more righteous than I. I did this. I unjustly compelled her to it by not doing right by her in withholding my remaining son. A man taking full responsibility without equivocation and justifying the rightness of the woman. I did this. Imagine that. What do you know? Something can indeed be salvaged from the sordid. So, as we pause for a moment of personal reflection and prayer, ponder, taking full responsibility without equivocation. So rare and too much of life, especially public life. When have you seen this practiced well? Why is it so hard to do? Lord, how easy it is to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore too often, manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold to the hidden figures in the byline, in the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told. Nor we here to tell it, or to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rechav, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam. Help me not to brush by them or their stories, no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth in which justice and mercy meet through the one born in Bethlehem on one starry, starry night. Through your mercies. <laughs>